All right, our scripture this morning comes from Mark 6, verse 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to your remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. They ran on foot for, from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd had, and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached them and said, This place is deserted, and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he responded. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all of the people sit on the ground, or in groups, on the gra green grass. So they sat in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, thank you. All right. So, uh, we're in Mark 6, as you just heard that scripture read. I'm excited to dig in. I feel like I have a lot of stuff to cover today. Before we get in it, I just want to ask you a question. When you think of Christian maturity, who do you think of? You don't have to blurt it out. When you think of, man, somebody, that person's really mature. They, they're really walking with Jesus. Kind of have that person in your head. Think about that. Now, depending on uh, what, what tradition you grow up in in the church, there are be two predominant types of figures. One would be a figure who is very active for the Lord, who, who accomplishes a lot of stuff. Like, so when I think about people who are my heroes, I'm constantly thinking about missionaries. I'm thinking about St. Patrick. I'm thinking about Hudson Taylor. I'm thinking about, like, they, they went and handled some business for the Lord. And there's other traditions when they think about maturity. They'll think about, uh, like, monks are, are those who will, maybe they didn't accomplish a lot in, in fleshly terms, but they, they had a deep spiritual life. Or, you know, we don't have monks in our tradition, so maybe you think about the, the, the senior ladies and maybe praying, maybe accomplishing things on their knees. And what's interesting is as you analyze the two types of Christian heroes, we can see two examples of Christian maturity. One is an example of contemplation and close prayer with God. The other is an example of one who accomplishes much for the kingdom through word and deed. In reality, we need both types of maturity. We need both types of maturity. We need the type of maturity that, that, is, that is deep, it has depth, and it has 
fellowship with God that, that, that when people see us, they go, oh, I think you've been with him. And at the same time, we have some work to do. We have a message to preach. We have th- places and people that we need to serve. And so, so we actually need to see both types of Christian maturity. And I'm convinced that in this text, you see both of those types of ministry, and you also see the tension in between them. And the reality is we ought to live a life of both rest and mission. We have to live a life of both contemplation and action. In fact, if you look in the text, we could see that, that the times of private prayer, devotion, and rest prepare you for times of mission and action. All right, so as we dig in the text, let's ask God, Lord, please help us to understand your word and to accurately and faithfully apply it. Lord, I, I, just, I, I pray that, that you would just do the work of, uh, of a surgeon this morning carefully look into our hearts, address the things that need to be addressed, bring healing where there needs to bring healing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to look at the first part, half of the text. We're going to look at the importance of rest and prayer with Christ. So, so one of the major aspects of rest and contemplation in the Lord is gratitude poured out to Christ. If you look at verse 30, it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to them all that they had done and taught. You're like, well, what what did they say? If you go back all the way to verse 13, what they told them is this. they, They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I imagine what they were saying was a complaint. They're like, Jesus, do you look, do you know what happened? Do you understand when we went out there, we saw all those people get healed? They were pouring out gratitude and thankfulness to him based upon what he had done through them. And what I'm here to tell you today is that we do, do not need to forget to tell, about Christ, tell Christ about our wins as well as our losses. A lot of times we only come to Christ when we got something real sad to say. We're burdened about something. We just got to, could you help me? And that's not wrong, but that should not be the only type of prayer that we pray we should not only complain, and y'all, I feel I'm guilty of this. If I can look back at my prayer journal, and then I, I see a lot of whys, a lot of where are you, a lot of I'm frustrated, and I don't see as many thank yous as there ought to be. But, but, but here's the thing. There is a nearness to God when we tell him about the good things that he has done for us. I don't know if you've ever met a, a, a very grateful Christian, but one thing that you see about a grateful Christian is it seems that they walk closely with the Lord. That their gratefulness, their gratitude poured out actually draws them into deeper fellowship with God. Gratitude, it multiplies joy and rejuvenates the, the soul. So I, I have this practice when I'm, when I'm praying for the church, a lot of times I'm like, well, what do I pray for? And, and, I, and I like to go to the scriptures to figure out what I ought to pray for. And if you look in Ephesians 1, at the latter half, there's just a prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians church. So sometimes I'll just take that prayer and I'll pray it for our church. But uh, sometimes I, I find that I skip the first two verses in that prayer. The first two verses are 15 and 16. It says, this is why since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in your prayers. Now, 
As he continues praying, he's like, God, help him with this and this and this and this. And I found myself really easily going, like, help us with that. Help us be mature. Help us to see who you are. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of who you are. But, but I felt convicted one day, and the, and the Lord was like, why are you skipping the first part? Why are you skipping the thankfulness and the gratitude? And I said, Lord, I don't need to do that. And I began to slow down, and I began to, to thank God for y'all. And not just like y'all, like, like in a nebulous sense, but I thought about each and every one of you. And I thought about the gifts and, and the the grace that you bring to our church. And I thought, man, God, you have brought some very marvelous and cool and sweet people here. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this one's life and in that one's life. And I found myself being overcome with joy and having more confidence to pray for the other things. When I realized what God had brought, the gifts that God had already given. So, 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 if we want to have a sense of rest, a sense of joy in the Lord, we need to be disciplined to thank God for what he has done for us. And not just a general, thank you for all you've done, but, but go down the list. What has he done? And you will find joy begin to bubble up. And listen, I don't know about you, but when you, when you have joy, that gives you energy, does it not? Being depressed, man, it makes you walk slow. But when you have some joy, you got to get some pep in your step. Listen, if we want some joy, we got to go, Lord, let me see all of the good things, the good people, the good gifts that you have given to me. Beloved, tell Jesus about what he has done. And I love the encouragement that Jesus gives to them. And, and in verse 31 and 32, we, we learn that we need to find our remote place with Jesus. In verse 31, he says, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. What we learn is that the disciples were not machines. Yeah? They weren't superhumans. They had, they had necessary needs for rest and time with God. No one can only output for the kingdom of God. You can't only do stuff. You can't only work hard. See, because God does not simply view you as a worker or a slave, but he cares about your well-being. He cares about the, the, the wellness and the health of your soul. And some of you who are hearing me, some of you feel exhausted, and you need to hear God has compassion for you. He's not sitting there, wait, get over the thing that you're, get over it. No, 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 no. He has compassion and he's calling and saying, look, no, you come to me and I will give you rest. We, we, are, we are not just meant to check things. Y'all know me. I like to do stuff. I like to get stuff done. So I need this reminder. We're not just supposed to get stuff done. But the Lord cares for our souls. And we should craft the type of life that acknowledges that. That acknowledges that we are not machines. That we don't just, we, we live in a culture that is so overwhelmed with getting stuff done. And simultaneously, we're a culture that is sad and depressed. We need some time to enjoy what the Lord has given us. It's vital that we find our consistent remote place with Jesus. See, Jesus is calling you to be with him through scriptures in prayer. Y'all know I like to make it plain, right? I like to make it plain. What does it mean to be with Jesus? Go read your Bible and pray. 
I can't be any more clear than that. And I, but I'll tell you this, there have been times when I have been drained, and in my mind, I'm just thinking about the next task that I need to do. And as I think about the next task or the next 20 tasks that I need to do, I feel even more drained. <laughs> but I feel like I ain't got enough time to slow down. I need to go ahead and, and make this thing happen. I need to go. But, but then there's times where the Lord's like, now, why don't you just go rest with me? Why don't you, why don't you get alone with me? And there have been, been times when I felt drained and discouraged, but I got into the text of Scripture, and I felt the encouragement from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I was ready to go. I didn't feel as drained. I, I was reminded that he is in control, that he is sovereign, that he cares for me, that, that his plans are not my plans and that I can't make stuff happen. I'm reliant upon him. When I have done that, I have seen energy come into my soul. And so you, you need, I like to make it practical. You need to have a consistent place where you be with Jesus. You just have to, I don't know if, if, if it's a quiet morning with coffee. If you got kids, it probably ain't it. I don't know. Depending on how, when your kids wake I don't know if it's a quiet morning with coffee. I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's a silent drive to work. I don't know if it's on your knees before you go to bed. But you need to have a consistent place and time where you're like, I need to go be with him. I know, I know I've told you this quote before, but it sticks out to me. There's the, the reformer Martin Luther. One day he said, I got... I got so much to do today, I need to go spend three hours in prayer. <laughs> it made no kind of sense. But what he understood was this. If I am going to accomplish the things that I need to accomplish, I need to have strength from resting and being with Jesus. Do not ignore the invitation from Jesus to rest in him. The weariness of your life is not simply addressed by sleep although you should get adequate sleep, but it's not simply addressed by that. There is a spiritual rest that we need that isn't just sleeping in an extra hour or two. It is that the Spirit of God comes and reminds you of the love and the goodness and the grace that we have in Christ Jesus. We need that time with him. I urge you to do that. Now listen, when you get to the next scriptures in verses 33 and 34, we learn that resting in the Lord prepares you for service look at verse 33 but many saw them leaving and recognized them and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them when he went ashore he saw a large crowd he being jesus and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd then he began to teach them many things what we learn is that spiritual rest is not an end unto itself. It is not that you just hide in your closet, don't do nothing of it. The reaction of Jesus to the needs of those around him points to the reason for the spiritual rest. If all he wanted to do was get along and, and, and at, above all costs, he wouldn't have stopped. But he understood that his time alone with God, his time with God's people was supposed to prepare him to love and serve those around him. Spiritual rest is for enjoyment, but it is for empowerment so that we would be able to serve. See, Jesus and his disciples had this pattern of silence and solitude with God and then action and service to the kingdom. And in a way, it was like a pendulum. You'd see Jesus out there doing all kinds of ministry. Then the next morning, they wake up and they go, where is he? And the scripture says it was his pattern to go be alone 
with his father. But why, why does that matter? Because if you are going to have a healthy and faithful spiritual life, you will adopt that pattern as well. And listen, listen. Spiritual life is like rechargeable batteries. I'm going to teach y'all something I learned the other day. Okay, we got some rechargeable batteries for, you know, different stuff we use. And, and I was talking to somebody. I don't know a lot about a lot of stuff, but especially about electronics. And so I was like, and I, and I said, is the rechargeable pack, is it on? I didn't see the light on. And somebody said, no, it's on a timer. I said, why is it on a timer? He said, because if it, if it only recharges the batteries all the time, it'll mess up the battery. Like, it's not meant to just sit on the charger. If it sits on the charger, it, if you, I don't know if you've seen, like, a, like a, we used to have these, these iPads that we used, and they would, the, the battery in it would start getting thicker and thicker and thicker, and it became dangerous. The, I, the, the point is this. It wasn't meant just to sit on the charger. And, beloved, you're not meant to just sit on the charger. You're not meant only to rest in the Lord. You're not meant only to, 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 to go away with Jesus. You're meant to go, get energy, get strength, and then go back out into the mission and love and serve. And, and we are such a pendulum-type people. We need to understand the ebb and flow of rest in the Lord and service to the Lord, and that it's important. But the reality is each and every one of us has a danger of Aaron on one side. And it, it's a mixture of your constitution and your life. But some, some people don't want to do nothing. Okay? That ain't it. That ain't it, y'all. Is it? We ain't, that's, not, that's not the way. That's not what you were created to do. I, I find that, that people who only uh, seek the inward type of disciplines, prayer and reading, and, 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 and kind of rest with the Lord, and that's only what they do, they have a very inflated sense of their spiritual maturity because it's never been challenged. And they think they real, real mature, but I'm like, you ain't, listen, you need to come here on a Wednesday and, 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 and come serve with some students and let them say something crazy to you, and then we'll see how much fruit of the Spirit you got. Okay? <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like don't, don't, don't get it twisted. However, we got some other folks that they don't sit down for nothing. Some of y'all need to sit down. <laughs> You're doing too much. You, you are not meant to just sit there. You are not meant to only expend energy. But you have to find the rhythm of life of Christ. That is being alone with God, getting strength from his people, and then go serving and loving the world around you. It is very important that you find that. I'm going to say it again because I feel like it's worth saying. I hope you know yourself. Some of y'all don't do enough. And some of y'all do too much. You need to ask the Lord, where am I, Lord? Where am I? When we get to, to verse 35 through 37, we learn that it is healthy and godly to realize your limitations. Look at verse 35. It says, when it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, Jesus responded. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, I'm going to keep it real. The disciples get a real bad rap in this verse. They really do. I mean, feed them. I don't get, listen, they were not trying to be mean to these people. They didn't know Jesus was going to multiply some bread. They're like, they hungry. We ain't got no food. Like, we, we teach them, but we're not, we're not McDonald's. We do, we're not a bakery. We don't, we don't got the stuff they need, 
so maybe they should go ahead because it's getting late. And I don't want to. I want to make sure they can get the food. They, they, like, they don't think that they are just being selfish and mean. They were acknowledging the reality of their limitations. What they need, I don't have. So maybe I should encourage them to go get what they need. They realized that there was a limit, and it is not wrong to name and be honest about your limits. You will, listen to this, you will find God's will in your life if you would acknowledge your limits. What are the things God has called me to do, and what has he not called me to do? And let's just be clear about it. You know, some of the limits that you might have, it might just be, this is not a sinful issue. It might be your personality. I know a lot of y'all think I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. When I hang out, I need, I need some time to recover, okay? I can sit in a room with a book all day by myself and talk to nobody and be fine, okay? And I, I just need to, so I can't be hanging out with people. I just need to understand who I am. It's not like I'm not, not sinful. I just, I need some time, okay? That's not bad. Some of y'all, y'all get real energized by talking to people. Well, praise God. That's what's up. All right? You need to understand your season of life, okay? There's some things that I want to do. And listen, I got little kids I just can't do. I, I, I'm going on this, this missions trip uh, in a couple weeks uh, to Africa. And I was like, man, I wish my wife could come with me. Well, we got three little kids. So just, that's just a limit. It's not, a, it's not an evil. It's not a bad. It's a reality. You think about uh, uh, your capacity. Some people have different levels of capacity for service, and that is not an issue of sin. You need to hear that. You need to hear that. Somebody said, some, so I heard somebody say, um, somebody has like a turkey plate worth of capacity, and some people have a saucer. But it is, that's not an issue of sin. That's not, so, so those who have larger capacities, you need to be careful that you're not looking down on others and assuming that it's a sin issue versus a capacity one. And then sometimes, listen, sometimes we've had some trauma and some past wounds that we just don't get over quick. That is a limit as well. If you would adopt an an inquisitive perspective instead of an accusatory one, when you talk to other people, you would learn so much. So if somebody's not coming to the thing that you think they should come to, instead of going, why didn't you? Or like, you know, hey, are you okay? You, you, would, you would learn, so adopting an inquisitive attitude so that you could learn what actually is going on with this person. What, what I love about the disciples is they were so honest with Jesus. They said, Jesus, look, man, you want us to feed these people. There's a lot of them. We ain't got no food. They told Jesus about their limits. And listen, they were willing to live in them. Maybe, maybe Jesus, maybe we should send them some, somewhere to get some food. Listen, we got to be honest with the Lord, y'all. Be honest with the Lord about where you are, where your limits. Now, in verse 38, what, what I love is that Jesus takes the little that they do have and multiplies it and uses it for his kingdom. So here's the crazy thing. Let's just say you're at a season of life, a personality. you like, maybe I ain't got much to offer. That doesn't excuse you not to offer nothing, though. We offer whatever we have in service to Jesus. Verse 38, Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. 
I want you to notice what Jesus did not say. He didn't say, you better go bake some more bread. That's not what he said. He didn't say, you better make more money so we're not in this situation again. He did not berate them for what they did not have. You need to hear that. He's not going, I wish your capacity was more. He's going, what you got? What you got? What you got to give? And listen, God wants us to offer what we have to him in service to others, even if it is small. Listen, okay, so I was meeting with a guy the other day, and he's a good brother, and he was like, man, I, I really wish an older man would disciple me. And I, I didn't know if I classified as an older man. I didn't, you know, sometimes people say stuff, and they're asking you, but, and I was like, do you want me to do it? You know, like, you know, what does that look like to you? You know, like, and, and he said, man, I, I, I said, I just really wish somebody could just, an older man would meet with me like for an hour once a week. I said, bro, I ain't got that though. But I give you once a month. <laughs> That's just my schedule is what it is, bro. I got, I got stuff to do. But I can give you once a month. It's you looking at your, at, at your life and say, I, I can't, maybe I can't offer everything that that person needs or wants, but I can, what I can offer, let me be generous with it. So survey your time. What do you have to offer God? Maybe, maybe you don't got 10 hours, but do you got one? What can you offer? Maybe, maybe you're not skilled in speech, but can, can, can you clean something? Maybe, maybe you, you don't got $100, but can you get 50 cents? You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it looks like, like, like what do I have? And you need to understand the posture of Jesus isn't, you better give me more than you're able. He says, no, no, no. What you have, even if it is small and you think it is feeble, would you offer it to me in service of others? So, so listen, Jesus does not curse our limits, but instead shows his power through our faithfulness to him in the middle of those limits. I am amazed at what God could accomplish with so little. Like there's some like there's sometimes when I when I when I see what God has done in my life or I see what God has done in the ministry, and I look back and I'm like, I ain't even had that much to give, you know? Like, like, but I'm glad you used it. I'm glad you used what I said that, that I wasn't thinking about or that that little bitty time of service. Listen, whatever you have, beloved, use it. Because here, some of y'all are gonna hear this message and you're gonna be tempted to be lazy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just gonna be what I'm saying is, if you have something to offer, even if it's small, be faithful to that and trust Jesus to multiply it. Jesus took 12 ordinary men and he started a worldwide movement. When people saw the apostles, they were like, they, don't, they ain't got no education. They, they don't even know what they're talking about either, but they knew what Jesus though. He took some ordinary people and they gave what they had and he used it to bless the nations. See, God uses our feeble efforts to miraculously bless people. In verse 39, he says, Then Jesus instructed them to have all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to sit before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. Everyone ate and was satisfied. Was satisfied. They, 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 they weren't just taking a little snack bread, okay? Everyone ate and was satisfied. 
they picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. So they're thinking about like household units kind of deal. So we're talking about 10, 15,000 people, all right? Jesus said, you feed them. They said, I, I, ain't, I don't have enough. What you got? I got five loaves and two fish. All right, give me that. I'll use it. They used that little bitty insignificant amount that they had, but they offered it to him, and he multiplied that impact. Look in amazement at how the Lord uses our prayers and words in service to help others. I, I just want to tell you a couple stories. Um, there's a, in the early 1900s, there's this thing called the Welsh Revival. It was in Wales. There it is. And there was a, there was a young man named Evan Roberts, and he just committed himself to prayer. He just committed himself to prayer. The report says he wasn't even really that good of a preacher. He just prayed. And one of the things he would say, he said, bend us, O Lord, break us, O God. And in one of the prayer meetings that he began, a revival started. Y'all, so many people got saved in Wales that the police had nothing to do. That's what happened. The police like, oh, we just here. He took the prayers of this one man who wasn't even that good of a preacher, and he multiplied it. Or, or, or I consider this. There's a, a book I read once. It's called The Heavenly Man. It tells a story of, of somebody named Brother Yoon. He's a, he was a Christian in China, like 1950s, 60s. And, and he came to the Lord miraculously. And y'all, he didn't have that much access to Christians or church. He didn't know what to do. And he started reading the Bible. And that's really all he had was the Bible. And he just started memorizing large chunks of the Bible. And so the, the people in, in his little village found out that he was a Christian. And they said, he, they said, can you teach us? And he goes, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to do that. But he just started reciting the chunks of Matthew that he remembered. And everybody got saved. <laughs> the Lord used him just quoting scripture that he memorized. Listen, these are, these are individuals that did not have a lot to give. But what they did give, the Lord multiplied it and used it for his service. I right, think about this. Is, I, I'm so thankful for this. We, we, we have been serving, you know, Carolina High for years and years and years. Beloved, there are our brothers, Ashton and Tyler. We baptized them this year. They're from, they're from, that's where we met them. Like, God uses this feat. Like, look, I'm telling you, the Bible study I go to on Fridays, like, is max, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> and God uses this little offering of service, and he multiplies the effect. When we look at the miracle itself, the fact that Jesus had a little bit of food and made it a lot bit of food, that's the technical term, the miracle points to the claims and the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, let's, let's adopt a, a Jewish mindset for a second. The Old Testament identifies God as the one who provides food, and at times, miraculously. Right, so there's a story where the Israelites were in the wilderness, they didn't have any food, and God literally rained down stuff called manna, and they ate it. Oh, there's another time, uh, years later, where there was the prophet uh, uh, Elijah, and, and, and he went to this widow, and she said, we, we only have this little jar of oil for food. He said, the Lord will take care of it, and for, for, for years, they ate out of that. He is the God who miraculously provides 
food. No mere man can multiply five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 plus people. I don't care how good of a cook you are, okay? In, in his miraculous provision, Jesus is demonstrating that he is the God of the Old Testament. He is the God who saves us from sin, the God who saves us from hell, who delivers us from Satan. Jesus is the God who provides food and sustenance for everyone who would come to him. So why, if he can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 plus people, why would we not come to him when we need something? I don't want to assume that there, the people who are hearing this, some of y'all might not even know Christ on a personal level, but can he can satisfy the desires and the longings of your soul because he is God. And what's interesting is, is when I think about the way in which God chose to save us at all, the infinite God took on the feebleness of human flesh to save us. Does that not seem like a very big limitation? The God who is omnipresent, knows everything, has all power, came to save us through the limitations of a human body as a baby? That's this do- the doctrine of the incarnation is that the infinite God took on finite flesh. And in the life of Jesus, God saves us. In Philippians 2, it says that Christ Jesus existed in the form of God. He did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. He took on the likeness of humanity. See, God in the flesh actually demonstrated what, what, what I'm talking about today. He embodied the rhythm of healthy humanity. Y'all, he served hard and he rested hard. It's so funny. One of the, the, the accusations that people would, would uh, give against Jesus, they say, why are you always eating and drinking with people? Apparently he liked to chill out. I don't know. Then at the same time, he's healing. He's preaching. Beloved, let's, let's adopt that lifestyle of Christ. And, and he didn't just live out a healthy humanity. He died for our sins in our place and rose from the dead. One of his, his disciples, Peter, said, it says, Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he may bring you to God. God took on flesh, allowed himself, to be crucified to a tree so that your sins would be forgiven. Here's the crazy thing that you might think about. When Jesus, when the word became flesh, right, when the second person of the Trinity adopted flesh and and limited himself, what's crazy is that, do you know Jesus still has a body right now? Like, he didn't simply limit himself on earth. He adopted a humanity like ours, which he will have forever. He has done this out of his love and his care for us. So, so, so what, what can we do? We, we, can adopt, we can adopt this lifestyle that Jesus is, is inviting us to. Listen, we need to be people who care about Sabbath and solitude. Let me make it plain. Sabbath rest is at least two things. It's the rest provided by the word of God. 
When Jesus says, come to me, it's, it's the rest that we receive in the context of God's gathered people. And also, it is taking time to enjoy God's creation. I, when I have, I have some time where I don't work, I hope you all have some time you don't do that. And I just get to, to be with my family. And I enjoy the gifts that the Lord has given me. Sometimes y'all can go be in nature. Maybe it's some food. I don't know. But if you would hear God's word individually and with God's people, and you would enjoy his creation, that is how he rejuvenates you. And beloved, y'all need some times of solitude where you're with the Lord, where it's just you and him. Find your remote place with God. Think, where do you go? I was talking with one brother. He says, well, I, when I go take a run, that's when I like to be with Jesus. Me and him are very different. Uh, <laughs> that does not sound enjoyable to me. I'll just be like, Jesus, help me complete this run. But, <laughs> but, but that's where he, that, he's like, man, I pour my heart out. That's where, whatever, whatever, whatever it looks like. What is that time, that consistent time, that place? And then again, I like to make it plain. So you're like, I'm alone. What do I do? You read some scripture. We got a Bible reading plan if you need one. And then you pray. All right, let's make it even more plain. What do I pray? I'm going to tell you what I do. I'm, I'm a simple guy. When I, when I pray, I use, I use the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer to guide my prayer. I just slowly go through those things. And I find myself praying for a lot of different stuff. And thanking God for a lot of different stuff. But find your place to be with the Lord and don't neglect it. But on the other hand, we Sabbath and we embrace solitude so that we can serve and witness to God's grace. You know, most of y'all, your primary uh, means of service is your vocation. That's just a fancy way of saying what are your roles and responsibilities? Right? Who are the people to whom you are responsible to? Right? I'm, I'm responsible for my, for, for my wife, for my, for my kids, for the church. Like, I serve God by serving the, 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 the responsibilities that he has entrusted to me. This is not a distraction. A lot of times, it's our primary means of service. But then I also take time to serve others in the church. You know, like, how do I do that? I'm going I'm to tell you a secret. You got this thing that's called a cell phone. You heard of that? You can text somebody. You can call them. How are you doing? You will be surprised how encouraging that would be and how you would find out how you could serve somebody. Listen, you, you could serve others with the church. We have a myriad of things to do on Sunday morning. Got people singing, people doing sound, people serving kids. There's a lot of things that we could do. We could serve him midweek. One of the reasons that we have issues limiting our announcements is because we do a lot. So if you're like, what do we do? You come talk to me, I'll give you something to do. <laughs> Promise you. And then, and then what, what does it mean to witness? Remember that I told you that ministry is marked by sharing God's word and by praying. If you would just be diligent to go, who, around, who is around me? Who do I regularly come in contact with? What piece of God's word could I share with them? How could I pray with them both when they're not there? But sometimes, you just roll, can I pray for you right now? You'd be surprised how encouraging that could be and how God can use that. So, so I, I want us to be a church that embraces godly rest and healthy mission. Yeah? Not one or the other. Let, let's embody this rhythm and this lifestyle of Jesus. And I, y'all, I need this because I, I'm, I'm kind of, I stay up at night just thinking about, I'm like, that person need help, that person need help. I should be thinking about stuff. And, and the Lord has wrong. No, you can't, you need to rest. 
you got to be with me if you're going to be any kind of effective out there. I want us to have maximum effectiveness as a church. I want us to serve as many people as we can, but that requires us to be faithful and resting with the Lord and being with him so that when it's time to offer what we have, we have something to give. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and how it is. How it is good, it is, it is life, it is light to us. Lord, I, I just pray, um, Lord, would you fill us with the Spirit so that we would be able to obey your word. Now, Lord, I, there's some of those that maybe you're, you're challenging them to, to serve more. Lord, I pray that you would empower and equip them. There's some that you are encouraging to rest more. I pray that you would give them grace to rest and remove any false guilt. Lord, would you, would you make us um, just, just so much like Jesus that we could honor him, reflect him, be with him, witness to him? Lord, we, we just bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.